Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening and thank you for being so patient with me and letting me have some time to get things planted here on the homestead. So my apologies for a no podcast episode last week and I did um, let some folks know who are in the Facebook group that there would not be a podcast episode last week last week and I spent the last weekend in the pouring rain planting celery, celeriac, leeks, onions, cabbages, kale and an apple tree. There was so much that needed to be done and I did not have a lot of time during the week from work so I really needed to take that time just to get things done on the homestead. So I appreciate um, you joining me today, especially when there was no episode last week. So I wanted to kind of let you know that, you know, we've been really working very hard to finish up the coop um, on the homestead. The storm that we had really, really pushed us to the limit since we have the chickies on the way in a few days. Um, We've actually got our meat birds coming and also a couple of layers first um, and then later on in the summer we're going to be having um, the rest of the layers and some dual purpose birds on the way from a different hatchery. Um, this is actually my first time having chicks arrive by mail from the hatchery. Um, previously we'd gotten them from a farm ranch store um, that was you know relatively close to where we lived um, when we were back in Utah and um, you know, it was it was kind of a nice way to do it because I was able to see the chicks. I could check them over before, um, you know, getting them. And we lost we lost one um, the first time that we got chicks. There was one that just you know ended up um, you know dying, unfortunately. Um, but this this is kind of the first time I've done it. Um, by mail order um, and kind of everything I've been talking about with other people who um, have chickens that come from a hatchery is you know you you expect um, some that are not going to make it it's quite stressful obviously being <laughs> shipped in a box um, so we're going to see how how this works um, especially since now I've been like fallen definitely into a well, I don't want to say a chicken rabbit hole because you wouldn't get a chicken in a rabbit hole. But I've definitely um, been learning a lot about um, chickens on a slightly larger scale. Um, and there is a big difference, like, where you buy your chickens from. Um, there's a big difference in cost. There's also a big difference in um, the varieties that are available or the breeds that are available, um, as well as um, the minimum order quantity, we'll say. And if I still lived in the suburbs, I would be struggling um, because we've got um, chickens arriving from one hatchery where there was a 15 chicken order minimum for shipping. So I was trying to combine like the layers that I wanted with the meat birds that we wanted. And this is going to be our first time like predominantly having like, you know, special specialized breeds for meat birds before we just had dual purpose birds. Um, so this is going to be a bit of a learning curve for us. Um, but yeah, one hatchery had like 15 chicken 
minimum order another one had six which would have worked but then there was like a small shipment fee that was on top of that and that that hatchery um was one that actually our one of our local farmers that we were part of um the csa last year um it was one that they recommended and they'd gotten birds from before so um it and it was a hatchery that i had been looking at too so um yeah we'd heard some good things about them locally so we decided to um give those a whirl um but then as i was doing research about different breeds that i wanted and um, believe me i have fallen into um it, the weird and wonderful world of chicken breeding um but that is a podcast episode for another day um but I did find another hatchery where they had a minimum of three chicks to order. So it is definitely worth um, doing some research and really kind of sitting down and thinking, what is it that you're wanting um, and getting an order in early. So right now we've got some that are coming in May and then the rest aren't coming until June or July, might be July. Um, so we've got this huge, yeah, it's July, we've got this long wait um, until the rest of our layers show up. Um, and that's just because we couldn't get shipment dates for the breeds that we wanted that were really going to work. Um, whereas if we'd been a lot more prepared and ordered them early, then we would have obviously gotten um the breeds that we wanted early so um just just as one would do with the garden um we definitely want to be thinking about what we're going to be ordering for chickens and um like i said this year is going to be a bit of um bit of an experimental year we'll say there's going to be a lot of learning that we're going to be doing with the meat birds and we're going to find out like which type of meat birds suit our family the best i don't eat meat but my husband um, and my stepson do um so you know trying to find out like which birds they preferred which birds had a better time on the pasture which birds they preferred to eat which ones had you know kind of a better feed um to growth ratios there's a few things that we're going to be trying to figure out as we go through um so this is going to be going to be kind of interesting um and um, one of the things that I found during my research into chickens is that um, there's a big difference between different hatcheries and what they have available. Um, so there's one hatchery that had, you know, a lot more kind of dual purpose birds or meat birds. And then there was another one that has, you know, a lot more... Um, I like to call them boutique birds, um, but they're also known as designer chicken breeds um, as well as heritage breeds. And some of the kind of newer hybrid birds that lay colored eggs and hybrids, I mean, they're not genetically modified or anything like that when it comes to chickens. It's just a cross of two different breeds um, that produces a first generation that is a hybrid. So you'll often have kind of like you do in the plant world there's a lot more kind of vigor to these hybrid birds you know they grow faster or they produce more so um you know there's there's a lot of kind of interest around you know breeding varieties that are producing well for meat but breeding varieties that are doing well on 
pasture and foraging versus you know being stuck in a pen um, there's breeding for different colored eggs or egg production there's there's a lot of things that um, we can look at and as we are looking at our homestead as a whole and how we can have this self-sufficient homestead what are the things that we can do to you know help this kind of be a sustaining um, type of enterprise and I know I talked previously about you know how chickens fit into our overall homestead plan and the composting and all that kind of stuff um but just generally like how how can our chickens um you know not only feed us um but how can we help to feed them and that kind of got me thinking about how to save money on feeding chickens um, and that kind of leads me to the first thing, which is really do some research. And, you know, some of this was kind of coming through me thinking with my permaculture um, design brain and thinking about the homestead as a whole, but also like from a, a need perspective, because I mean, we've got a lot of building projects going on around the homestead. I mean, we've been building the coop for a long time, um, but also, you know, there's a lot of like super expensive things that need to be done on the homestead like we've got to completely gut a room we've got to redo the floor um i mean i'm a big girl and there's some really dodgy floorboards and i'm kind of worried like is this today is today gonna be the day when i end up in the basement <laughs> through the flooring and you know it would probably be the day where i decide um you know to be doing a bit more of a vigorous workout or something i'm gonna be you know firing up a workout dvd and end up through the floor um which is not where i want to be um but you know there's there's a lot that needs to be done there and you know it's it's expensive to be having to redoing a floor um but not just the floor needs doing the walls need doing the ceiling needs doing you know we've got rewiring that needs doing like you know the really fun and expensive stuff um so that's kind of a priority um for the house um, for us and although you know she's been standing for you know over 200 years um you know we want her to be the best that she can be and you know help her you know stand for another two or three hundred more um so you know thinking about those things that need to be done how can we save money on chicken feed and um you know we are using certified organic feed and that isn't cheap and I can say that I have seen a huge difference in prices I mean I've seen things about $30 you know maybe maybe about $27 for 23 pounds up to $90 for £43. Um, I've seen big differences in the nutritional content of these feeds. Um, and it really depends on where you purchase from too. So I was looking at ordering online. Um, I was looking at getting from a local farm supply chain store that also sells chicks um which you probably know um i've also looked at local feed stores like the ones you know within the town or a town over and they don't have organic feed um so my first tip is definitely to shop around and because i've been doing some research way before the chicks were even arriving um 
you know, I managed to find 50 pound sacks of certified organic feed that are between sort of 27 and $34. Um, and that's a couple of towns over. Um, luckily, we can run errands like getting groceries nearby too. So it's not just a trip where we're going out to get the feed. We can combine that with other things that need to be done. So we could save more money by buying conventional feed and grain but since I grow my food organically here on the homestead I want my chickens to have organic feed too and honestly I really want to support those farmers who have chosen to grow organic because they're making a choice to avoid using herbicides and pesticides and GMOs because those things are not allowed for a certified organic and I know how much paperwork and records that they have to keep to um, go through that process so where I can I choose organic um, and that's something that you know I'm striving to do is to look at you know can I um, move from being a homesteader to a farmer and can I be an organic farmer in doing that so I could convent switch to conventionally grown feed and i could save more money too um because organic feed is you know anywhere from 10 percent more to 25 or even 50 percent more depending on the feed that you're looking at um so there's a huge difference in cost there but remember that cheaper isn't always better so pay attention to what's on the labels of the feed are you getting enough nutrients for your birds are you getting the right type of feed um you know if you're needing a grower feed for your meat birds versus a chick starter for your chicks versus a layer feed for your layers they're all different and you want to give your chickens the best quality feed that you can afford whether it's conventionally grown or organic and yes you can definitely save money by buying feed in bulk but not everyone has got the storage for a ton of chicken feed, like a pallet worth of feed. And just like any food, it's going to lose nutrients over time. Fresher is better. And if you've got an entire pallet worth of feed that you're trying to figure out how to keep the critters off it, the rain off it and everything else, it's just it can be more of a hassle. Now, if you've got a number of friends who've also got chickens and you could all chip in together to get a pallet of feed and then split it all up between you then yeah that's definitely going to be saving money but I know a lot of you have not got a lot of um, you know like-minded homesteading type of friends that are looking to do this so that can be kind of difficult so there's some other options that we can look at for saving money on feed so let's talk about fermenting because I can't do a podcast about lowering feed costs for chickens without talking about fermenting the grains we did that with our backyard flock and i'll be starting my fermented feed the day before the chicks are scheduled to ship so the feed is ready to go when the chickies arrive um, i'm not going to spend too much time on the benefits of fermenting chicken feed because there's folks out there that are more knowledgeable than i on the matter um, that you can read about but it's meant to release a lot more nutrients for your birds um, some chicken keepers feed fermented feed all the time others do a day on fermented then a couple of days with regular grains or feed um, and then back to fermented some folks have both available at the same time whatever works for you um, we ferment quite a lot um, 
on our homestead from sauerkraut and kimchi to brewing beer there's something bubbling at my house all the time so fermenting some chicken feed in a gallon sized glass jar is easy peasy for me to do um, most chicken feed fermenters seem to recommend that no more than three days fermenting is the sweet spot in warm weather. After three days, the feed becomes unpalatable for the chickens. You're looking for some bubbling on the surface. Bubbles mean fermenting. And since fermenting is unlocking more nutrients to the birds, they tend to eat a bit less than they would with the unfermented grain. So that's going to help you stretch out your feed by as much as 30% apparently. Um, and that's kind of exciting if you add that into forest which we'll talk about in a minute or two. Um, but to ferment, you basically cover the chicken feed with water so that there's at least an inch of water above the level of the feed. You want to check that there's always at least an inch of water above that line of feed. Um, some grains are going to soak up the water. I'm looking at you, oats and barley. Um, you want to be covering that container with something breathable. Um, but also, it's a really good idea before you start covering everything up is when you put that feed in and you cover it with water, like leave it for about an hour, hour and a half and come and take a look again and top it up with a bit more water just in case. Like, I don't know if you eat oatmeal, I eat oatmeal every day and I've kind of figured it out now about like how much water I need on top of my oats before, you know, I put it in the microwave and, um, you know, I avoid having an eruption of, you know, super hot oatmeal out of the bowl um, but also have enough water so it's not, you know, completely stuck inside the bowl and not going to move anywhere you know um because it soaks up so much water um so definitely let it sit let it stand for a bit come back in an hour and add a bit more water if needed um but you want to cover the open opening of the container i like to use a jar like i said i've got like these you know big gallon jars that used to be um part of old chicken waterers from what was the old commercial barn um, for chickens that was on the property um, that since got torn down we got rid of a bunch of them shared them locally um, but we kept a few so I, I like to use those and I can stagger them um, or stagger my ferments um, as I'm going through that which kind of makes it easy but you know you could use like a huge pickle jar or something like that um, some people use buckets um, some people will ferment enough for a few days um, it's just whatever works for you I like to use it as smaller quantities because then I've got better control so when you're covering your containers you want it to be something breathable like a tea towel or a clean rag from an old t-shirt some cheesecloth maybe or how about that really ugly fabric that's in your quilting stash that you just can't give away um, you know you want to use something like that something that's breathable bowl and then you can use an elastic band or you can tie the cloth over that opening with some string or yarn or a clean shoelace you get the idea right use it up wear it out make it do do without um that is definitely our um, mantra on the homestead but every day you want to be stirring that feed up to get some oxygen from the air into the feed and that's going to help that fermentation process move a bit faster. It's an opportunity for you to check it for signs of mold or spoilage on the surface. If in doubt and you're seeing mold on there, just if in doubt, throw it out. 
do not give it to your chickens because mold moldy food and stuff can kill your chickens so um it's good practice to you know check it if it smells a bit off and you're not sure throw it out don't give it to your chickens and you know if you've got a friend who has chickens and ferments the feed like see if you can um help them make it or see if you can um you know help feed the chickens or smell it and you know kind of get a feel for what that should smell like or what it should look like or any signs of it going bad um i mean you know the internet's great there's lots of pictures and videos of stuff and how to do things now so you can take a look and see um you know is this something that is a bit of a problem and something that you should be concerned about like if you've ever brewed kombucha for example um there's some really great information available on oh this is something that you know you should definitely get rid of the whole batch and start again versus something like oh no this is normal so do your research beforehand. Now let's talk about free ranging um, and getting your chickens onto pasture or an untreated lawn in your backyard um, is another way to reduce feed. Um, you're encouraging your flock to forage and hunt for bugs or plants that they can fill up on before they're given their ration of feed. Um, you don't want to be skipping on giving your chickens grit for them to fill their crop because it's the grit that's going to help grind up the grass and grains and whatever else they find um, in the fall my flock will be going into the homestead garden they're going to help remove those pesky pests that are planning on overwintering in the soil but um, for the most part they're going to be out on on the grass and on the pasture and not all chickens are suited to a life as a free-ranging forager um, some birds are more successful than others and I've definitely seen that more the dual purpose or heritage breeds seem to be much better at it in my experience um but you're gonna get you know a, a heritage breed that or a chicken that is a heritage breed that prefers to be hanging around the the feeder all the time and doesn't really like going out and then again you might also get a hybrid bird that is like super great at foraging you know and it might be running around chasing down a cricket like a t-rex with rocket shoes like it might be really good um generally though i like to have my birds out on grass it helps bust boredom and problems in a small coop which most of you are going to be facing if you have a small backyard is having a small coop um, I might be building another hoop coop um, slash overwintering mobile greenhouse because mine does double duty um, for the and I, you know I want a second one really for the layers um, so I can split the you know split up my my chickens and give everybody a bit more room to move about because I don't want to be having them fully free ranging without having some level of protection there's just too many predators out here I've got you know so so many hawks eagles um you know big birds of prey that are kicking about on a regular basis um on my homestead as well as you know the four-legged furry kind of critters that are all around um in the you know the woods and stuff next to my homestead so i want to make sure that i can give my flock the opportunity to 
get out onto the grass and you know <laughs> really kind of exhibit those normal chicken behaviors but you know scratching and pecking at things you know maybe they might be a little bit more into the woodlands one day and maybe it's on you know the green pasture the next day you know just kind of like switch things up a bit so it helps bust the boredom but also gives them a variety of things to to peck at and try there's obviously going to be different bugs for them to eat in the grasses versus those that are kind of more by the forest so it's um using more of the space that i have on the property because right now i've got a very limited area where i could be growing food in terms of like my fruit and vegetable garden because of the shading from the trees at either side but that doesn't mean that i can't put it to use in producing food in a different way and the chickens in pens or in the hoop coop is one way that i can do that now the next thing is kitchen scraps and I feel very lucky to have neighbors who are willing to give us kitchen scraps in exchange for eggs. Um, if I was wanting to sell eggs or chickens as organic then I wouldn't be able to do this because everything that touches their beaks as feed must be certified organic. But I'm not selling and I'm not certified organic. So having the kitchen scraps is going to be a big help to reduce the feed costs. Some people even ask local grocery stores, local restaurants, um, local coffee shops and stuff if they can have like some of the food scraps that they're going to be throwing out that they can't use. And you might be surprised at how willing a business is to give those things to you um, or a very reduced cost in doing that. So, um, you know, it's not going to work for everybody and you might get a lot more no's, um, but then you might hit up a, a real good winner there. So um, there's lots of really good things that you can be giving your birds from the kitchen, things like leafy greens that are full of calcium for the laying hens, for example. But there's also things that you can't give to your chickens like avocado, chocolate, citrus fruits, dry beans, and there's a whole heap of other things too. But there's plenty of things that you can give to your chickens. And in the permaculture world of chicken keeping, the compost bin is usually in the chicken run or the pen so the birds can scratch through the food scraps, turning things over to add in air and, you know, adding their own personal manure as they go. So you're giving your chickens something to do by having something that they can scratch through and peck at and eat and stuff. But it's also turning it into this wonderful compost that you can then use in the garden. Now our last flock of hens absolutely loved home brew day. Um, they would line up like on the edge of the fence that we had because they had like a little open run area um, and they would like all hop up onto the fence and they would be like staring you down like as you know all the brewing kits got pulled out and um, they would go nuts for the spent grains from the mash tun um, and they got to enjoy all of that after sparging so if you're a home brewer and you've been wondering how can i get rid of this 10 pounds of grain that I have from my all grain brewing kit that I've just made or whatever um, then maybe now is the time to start thinking about chickens 
Um, that is definitely something that we used to use up the spent grain because it, there's a lot of it. And as somebody who is trying to reduce waste and really use up what we have, like I, I really irked at the thought of just tossing it into um, the trash can. And it's not something that I necessarily wanted to just put into the compost either because, you know, it can attract uh, rodents and stuff. But um, the chickens made short work of that. And even when we had um, quite a lot of grain, there was, you know, because we only had six chickens, so 10 pound of grain is a lot for them. Um, we could put it into a bag or uh, into several bags and then toss it in the freezer. And then during summer, we could just kind of give them like these frozen grain blocks that they you know it would defrost during the day um and then give them grains to kind of work out too so that's that's another top tip if you live somewhere that is warm let's talk about feed storage um i now keep everything uh feed wise in metal trash cans it doesn't matter if it's the dog's kibble or it's chicken feed um, and this is to avoid attracting rats mice and bigger predators um, metal trash cans also help to keep the feed fresher um, and if you store it somewhere cool and dry, it can help to reduce spoiling, um, especially, you know, if you've got like sacks of feed and rain gets in there, it can go moldy. And like I said earlier, you don't want to be giving your chickens moldy food because it can kill them. Um, but a trash can is going to help keep the rodents out of the feed. So, um, you know, you don't want to be feeding the local wildlife. You want that to be going towards you know your actual chickens right there's a lot of money that's going into these you know having chickens is not necessarily going to be cheaper than buying eggs at the grocery store let's be honest about this um you know but they are going to be tasting better than the ones that you get from the grocery store but let's talk about how messy chickens are when they eat because i've had chickens that seem to pretty much jump in the feed and i had one of those tall metal feeders where it was like a skinny chimney in it and then like a like a round kind of trough plate thing at the bottom where it would feed into and there was always like one bird that would be jumping in at the top and pretty much rejoicing in the in the feed like it really rolling around in it and thoroughly enjoying all of that bounty that was there and would throw it to every corner of the coop the wall of the run like it would go everywhere um i don't feed in the coop um like inside the main coop i want my birds to get out into the world so i would always feed in the run like i want to avoid attracting rodents into the coop i don't want you know rats and mice trying to snuggle up with the hens um so the feed goes in the run um i also don't leave the feed out all day anymore either um when i was working um you know I did, there wasn't anybody at home we would leave the feed out um but then we found that we were basically feeding um a couple of rats which wasn't great um, and that's not what we want to do. So the type of feeder that we're using um, also makes a big, a big difference. So what we're doing now is we're not leaving the feed out all day for them to just kind of, you know, self-serve throughout the day. Um, it's going to be, it's out for a period of time. Then we put the feed away 
back in the feed store and then we bring it out again um, for the birds to have some more before they head to bed for a final feed. Um, I'm also not filling up the container all the way. I'm trying to gauge how much feed the birds are actually needing and using. Um, and I'm actually looking at the feed guide on the feed this time, um, which is something that I haven't done before. But I wanted to really kind of see know how much are the birds actually using so I can gauge to you know how many scoops that I'm putting into that feeder so there's just there's less waste that's going everywhere you know the majority of the food is in this metal trash can and it's only being pulled out in the right quantities that that they need um it's working for us the chickens clean up a bunch of the feed that they throw around the place so there's less you know stuff that's there on the ground to be you know luring in rodents um, and like I said the type of feeders make a huge difference and I would really love to hear from you if you use some no waste chicken feeders or if you built your own I would love to hear about it in the Facebook group so please tell me about it and put some pictures up there of your um, low or no waste chicken feeders I'd love love to see them um, let's talk about garden scraps because we talked obviously about chicken scraps but there's also things from your garden that you can give your hens um dandelions thinnings from beets or lettuces collard leaves or other leafy greens um i'm sure my birds will be getting to hunt through some scraps from the garden um ones that have got like a lot of aphids on them or caterpillars hornworms oh my gosh if we find more tomato hornworms next year or this year sorry um <laughs> i'm I don't know I'm, I'm really curious to see like if that changes how the eggs will be the next day like I'm really curious because those tomato hornworms are I mean they're huge they're huge I mean they could be like the size of your arm they're massive um but what I'm saying is there's lots of critters and things out in the garden and just like with chicken scraps there's things that the chickens should not be given from the garden so let's take the hornworms for example i would give them the hornworms but i'm not going to give them the tomato leaves and branches or potato plants or eggplant leaves and stuff um you know they're often um hand in hand with being poisonous so i don't want to be giving those to my chickens definitely do your research before giving your chickens things from the garden or having them free range in the yard there might be some plants that can make them really sick if they eat them and they don't know not to eat it so you're gonna need to create some kind of barrier to protect your chickens from getting into something that they shouldn't so again do a bit of research and find out if you can give your chickens something if you want to give them something out of the garden um and how you can you know protect some of those plants that they can't get from your chickens if you're free ranging um sprouting grains is kind of fun um and it's an interesting um fodder system you can make these sprouted grain mats and um, you can give them to your chickens in the cold winter months and you kind of do that by soaking grains and letting them sprout and then letting them grow a bit in a tray so all those roots kind of knot together and create these mats so you have like this grassy stuff on the top 
and then all these roots on the bottom and um, they can be quite easy and fast to set up um, so people that I've seen use them they basically are using those like seed starting trays and they're just filled with these like sprouting grains and stuff um, I think I saw somebody that was using like scratch grain and they sprouted all that let it grow a bit and then they just kind of took this mat out and then threw it in the coop and the chickens went nuts for it so um, that is definitely one way to have your chickens running to you in the middle of winter and given how long winter seems to be here in Maine um, um, that's definitely something that I'm quite interested in doing um, particularly if I've got old seeds for things um, that I could sprout because you know the germination rate on it's not very good um, since moving i know the seed hasn't been treated or anything um so is sprouting it an option to use it up um yeah there's, there's a lot of uh, a lot of things ticking over in my brain about that um and having fodder systems so I, again i would love to know from you if you're using a fodder system how how that works for you and um any tips so this last tip for reducing feed costs isn't going to resonate with everyone um, since it is dealing with unproductive birds so i'm giving you a warning now so you can finish listening right now it's it's okay i'm not a fan of surprises so you can go ahead and turn off the podcast now and get busy in your garden don't worry I'll be here with another episode and um, we can still be friends it's okay so I want to talk about the unproductive birds um, the last thing that we can do to cut feed costs is to remove the unproductive members of the flock now that might be rehoming them as a pet also known as a soft call for some people um, or just rehoming them generally um, or you can do a a hard call and they become dinner and it's a really hard choice to make for many homesteaders and certainly members of our own families have probably had to make that choice you know in the past um maybe a distant past for for you but you know there are people and have been people who have chosen to eat the unproductive birds in the flock certainly like my great great grandmother would have definitely made that choice to have just you know eaten the unproductive birds chickens lay for a number of years but they're most productive during the first two maybe three years but a chicken itself can live you know for seven eight or even more years and for those of you that are wanting to return to your roots or old-fashioned homesteading then the stew pot has to be really you know considered now we have a plan on our homestead and that is the feeding the family option um, we use everything from that bird and we're grown you know raising meat birds anyway um, so that probably shouldn't have come as a surprise for you if you're still with me and listening but we use everything from the bird so feathers that are suitable to make fishing 
ties or get put aside. The rest of the feathers and the unusable bits from the bird, um, they go into the bakashi compost. Things that can become treats or food for the dogs are put aside. The bird itself will cook it, use it. The bones are then made into chicken broth we'll can that chicken broth and then those chicken bones are going to go into the bakashi compost that then feeds the garden nothing is wasted whether that is a layer that is no longer laying or an unproductive um, or a meat bird that we've raised on pasture we waste nothing and I would love to know from you, like, how do you cut the cost of feeding chickens on your homestead? Let me know over in the Facebook group. And until next time, I hope your garden grows beautifully and I'll see you all next week.